Good morning. We'd like to welcome you all to church this morning. Please stand and join us as we start our service by singing our praises to God.
Oh 
thank you that you have overcome. And as we gather today, we are here and our worship has meaning because of who you are and what you've done. And we ask that you will speak into our lives, that through this time together we might know you more and that we might follow you with even more of our lives. Bond us to you and to one another. And we pray this through Christ Jesus. Amen. Greet one another in the name of Christ.
Beginning on March 5th, which is Ash Wednesday, the beginning of Lent, we are joining with the Wesleyan Church, churches all over the world, in a community Bible experience. Uh, this is a, um, an opportunity to read through the New Testament in 40 days, and that would be uh, the 40 days of Lent, and that ex- excludes Sundays. And so uh, we would love to have you participate in this, this ministry. You see in your bulletin an announcement on the back page about it. Uh, we have created some bookmarks with reading. The, the thing about this reading is that it's a little bit different in the sense that it, it, you're not reading through the Bible as you see it listed normally. It's not Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. It actually starts with Luke and then moves to Acts and then on through, kind of jumps around through the New Testament somewhat chronologically. And so, it's a, it's, so this reading plan will help you walk through that. There has been a special Bible that has been created for this event. And you can actually purchase those at the campus store. And we also have, we'll have some of these bookmarks up the store as well. We have some in the back. Please feel free to take one. If we run out, let us know. We'll have some more available for next week because it doesn't start for about 10 days. So we'll have time next week to uh, participate. We'd love to have... Uh, a whole lot of folks from our congregation being a part of this experience as we read Scripture together uh, over the, during the season of Lent. I'm going to step out on a limb here uh, because I don't know how to do this, but I think there's probably a way to email you the readings every day. I'm not the person who knows how to do that, but I bet there's somebody in the office or somewhere who can figure that out. So if you would like that, just send a note to the, somebody at the church and we'll try to put that together. I will volunteer someone to, uh, to take care of that for us. Uh, just know it won't be me because I don't know how to do that, but uh, we'll see what we can do. So if that's an interest to you as well. We, are, we would be happy to do that uh, if we can put that together. We are still collecting faith promise cards. We are getting close to our goal of 30,000. And if you haven't yet turned in a card or you're still contemplating that, I encourage you to to go ahead, step out in faith and see what God may do uh, through you. Uh, There are also a number of prayer concerns in the bulletin. People were praying for, we certainly want to pray for uh, Ruth Hutton's family, her funeral yesterday, and for uh, Steve Castor's family. His service will be held this coming uh, Saturday, Visitation on Friday, and there's information in the bulletin about that. There are other burdens and concerns related to us and as individuals, as a corporate body, as the world. And we ask for God's grace in each of them. We have the opportunity now to give back to God out of all the ways in which he has blessed us as the ushers come and assist us in the giving of our tithes and offerings. Stoplight, he can't be bothered by the heart cry written on the cardboard in her hand. Oh, but when she looks him in the eye, his heart is broken open wide, and he feels the hand of God reach out through him as heaven touches earth. Oh, 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 we bring the kingdom. Table, he 
wants to talk, but he's not able to all the shame that's locked him deep inside. Oh, but her words are the medicine, and she says they can begin again, and forgiveness will set him free tonight. As heaven touches earth. Oh, 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 oh. We bring the kingdom come. One of those doors is you. God put a million, million doors in the world for his love to walk through. One of those doors is you. some time praying together. If you'd like to use the altar rail as a place where you offer your prayers, please come and join us. Father, we know that you hear us when we pray. And we come today praying for people who are struggling with so much of life. We pray for all who grieve today. For Ruth Hutton's family, Steve Castor's family. For all who are living with uh, just the continual sense of loss that sometimes sneaks up on us, sometimes eats away at us, can consume us and burden us. We pray that you will comfort us with your presence and your peace. We pray for all for whom injury and disease, surgery, treatments, all the the difficulties that come because our bodies are not perfect. We pray especially today for Donna and Bill and John and Bev and for Edna and Linda and for Micah and for Bonnie, for Crystal and Bill and Emily and for others who are 
on our minds and hearts today. And we ask that your healing grace would be at work in each of them. We pray for each other through life's disappointments, unfulfilled dreams, uncertainty about the future, all of those unknown things that cause us to worry, fear, doubt. Through the power of your Holy Spirit, through your loving kindness, help us to catch a glimpse of your goodness that has been difficult to see. And Father, for those relationships, for the unresolved conflicts in our relationships, we pray for the miraculous presence of your Spirit that we will find a healthy way, a good way, a productive way to patience and mercy, to truth, to hope, to forgiveness. Give us grace to be to one another what you created us to be. We pray for the burdens of our world, for the leaders of government, for those whose desire is to do righteousness and justice, but find it very difficult to accomplish. We pray for those who are enamored with greed and power. And we ask, Father, that you will work miraculously in the nations of the world. In your power, end conflict and bring peace. The kind of peace that you alone are able to bring. And we pray your mercy upon our brothers and sisters. Many of whom face great hardship every day. Father, we pray that you will turn us from self-centered living to Christ-centered living. Help us to see what you're doing in the world. And help us to be willing servants who are a part of it. We pray, Father, that that others would see Christ in us through our words, through our actions, our lives. And we pray this through the grace and the mercy, the peace and the strength of Jesus Christ. Amen. Our scripture this morning comes from the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 16. After I go through Macedonia, I will come to you, for I will be going through Macedonia. Perhaps I will stay with you a while, or even spend the winter, so that you can help me on my journey wherever I go. I do not want to see you now and make only a passing visit. I hope to spend some time with you, if the Lord permits. But I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost, because a great door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many who oppose me. If Timothy comes, see to it that he has nothing to fear while he is with you, for he is carrying on the work of the Lord, just as I am. No one, then, should refuse to accept him, 
Send him on his way in peace, so that he may return to me. I am expecting him along with the brothers. Now about our brother Apollos, I strongly urged him to go to you with the brothers. He was quite unwilling to go now, but he will go when he has the opportunity. Be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be men of courage, be strong, do everything in love. This is the word of the Lord. Please stand and join us as we sing. Come praise and glorify our God, the Father of our Lord. In Christ he has in heavenly realms his blessings on us for. For pure and blameless in his sight, he destined us to be. And now we've been adopted through his Son eternal.
only one company makes the genuine overhead door. And for the people who install and service them, nothing else will do. To make sure you're getting the genuine, the original overhead door, look for the red ribbon. And I'm not trying to make trying to convince you to buy an overhead door. Though we have one, it seems fine. Uh, I do think it'd be kind of cool, though, if your house was rigged like that, wouldn't it? You have the morning push a button and the door goes up and the bedrooms and the kitchen. And I think that might be kind of fun. What struck me as I was thinking about that commercial is that this idea that you wake up in the morning and these doors are opening for you. And the more I thought about that, the more I realized how true that is for all of us about life. Every day, there are doors opening for us. And as Christians, as people who care about Jesus, there are spiritual doors that are opening for us. There are, there are ways in which we, we, there are things in which we find ourselves in, in situations and circumstances where we have the opportunity to do something about it. There are all kinds of, of doors that are opening for us every single day. And the question that I keep thinking about is, do we see them? Uh, what are we doing about them? This is really the situation in which Paul finds himself as he concludes this letter to the Corinthians. He has, the, the people at Corinth are, are very special to him. He, he went to Corinth. He, he established the church. He, he helped bring the first people to Christ. And, and he nurtured the church for more than a year. And then he moved on to the next place as he as was a part of his life and ministry. And after he had been gone a little while, he heard back that there were issues in the church in Corinth. Some, of the, some serious issues even. Shouldn't surprise us because every church has issues. We might think, well, not this church. Well, let me just tell you if there are a few things I could talk to you about, but we won't get into that. Uh, you got human beings coming together. We're going to have problems. It's just the way it is. None of us are perfect. And you put imperfect people together, you're going to have imperfect things happen. And this is, and, and so Paul, looking back at the Corinthian church, he, he's seeing, he's hearing these reports about some of the problems going on in the church. And quite frankly, some of them are pretty serious things. And so he writes this letter trying to address them. But what he really wants to do, and he makes this statement throughout the letter, what he really wants to do is to come visit them. I think he wants to come visit them because there are some hard things he needs to say to them. And some, most of the time, it's better to say that in person. You know what it's like when somebody challenges you or confronts you in an email. And even if they don't mean to be harsh, you read it and you think, what do they mean by that? And all kinds of things go through our minds as we're trying to figure out tone of voice and, and eye contact and all that, all the, the nonverbal communication that we, we interact, the way we interact with each other all the time. You can't do that on the printed page. And Paul says, I want to come. I need to talk to you about some things. But I also want to come and encourage you and help you and, and, and make you the church that God wants you to be. But there's a problem. I can't come right now. I'm in Ephesus and I need to stay here. Now, does he, can he not come because he's in chains? 
No, not this time. There are times where he writes and says, I'm in chains, I can't do anything, I'm stuck here. The Romans have gotten me. Is it because he doesn't have money to travel? I don't think so. Is it because he's afraid to travel? No. He travels all over the world. He says, the reason I can't come to you now, and the reason I need to stay in Ephesus, is because God has opened this great door of effective ministry. And I need to walk through it. God has opened a door in Ephesus wide open for me. And I need to stay here and walk through this open door instead of coming to you. And that's always what happens when talking about open doors. If you walk through one door, that's going to automatically mean you cannot walk through another door. But we try. Think about the moments in your life when you have sensed God saying to you, this is what I want you to do, but you want to do that instead. And the tug of war that takes place, it's difficult. We often find ourselves staring at God's open door, thinking, I'd really rather do this And what we end up doing, instead of walking through God's open door, is we start beating down the door that we want to walk through. And we're looking for a key. We're trying to jimmy the lock. We'll smash it down if we have to. Because we want this door more than we want God's wide open door. I think back to when I I was in high school. And living in, in Indiana, my plan as a senior was to go to Bible school in Pennsylvania. All my friends were going to school there and it was it was just a thing to do. And then my parents disrupted those plans by sensing a call to missions and were asked to move to Oregon. And through a course of some coercion and I guess some agreement, I ended up moving with them to Oregon and I pouted for a few months. You know, Lord, what are you doing to me? I don't know anyone. I don't know where I'm going to go to school. I want to go there to school. I don't want to go out to school in Oregon. And this, but this change forced me to then, I ended up going to George Fox in Oregon. And as I look back on it, it saved my life. It saved me because where I was headed was a road that quite frankly, at that time, I wasn't ready to walk down. And moving to Oregon and and going to school at George Fox allowed God time to work in my life to bring me where he needed me to be. It saved my life. But I fought it tooth and nail for a long time. I wanted to smash down that door so I could walk through it, not walk through the door God had provided that was standing wide open in front of me. One of the reasons we, we struggle about walking through God's open door is because, quite frankly, it's often the hardest door to walk through. We like that door because it looks comfortable and safe. We understand it. We can describe it. We figured it out. It's what makes sense to us. And often God's open door doesn't make sense to us. And we look at it and think, if I walk through that door, life is going to get hard. And I don't want life to be hard. I want life to be easy. And of course, we tend to gravitate toward easy. 
Paul says here that this great door of opportunity is open in Ephesus. And then he adds, and great opposition as well. And you have this connection between walking through this open door and facing opposition. We have a tendency to think if you walk through God's open door, you won't face opposition. That's the whole point. You walk through God's open door and he protects you. He saves you from from opposition and struggle. That's why you do it. And Paul says, no, that's not exactly how the kingdom works. You walk through God's open door, you poke the enemy. And when the enemy gets poked, he comes after us. Great church father Chrysostom said, of course, Paul is connecting open doors and opposition. Because you walk through those doors that God wants you to walk through, you're you're treading into the territory of the evil one. You're taking what he wants and he's going to fight you. But something in our minds wants to believe that walking through God's door means that life is going to be perfect, life is going to be easy, and it will eliminate all of our struggles. But that's not the Christian life. Now, I know there are people who will tell us that's the Christian life, but they haven't read the Bible. And they haven't spent much time looking at church history because if you read the scriptures and you, and you read history, you find over and over and over again, God's most saintly people face the greatest persecution. And Paul is right at the top of the list, right behind Jesus. And we have to get into our minds that God isn't interested in giving us lives that are easy. He's interested in making us like Christ. And if you want to grow, if you want to get stronger, if you want to develop your spiritual muscles, it means resistance, opposition, struggle, just as it does physical muscles. Anything worth doing is going to be difficult at some stage or another. But we struggle with that. Now, Paul writes to the Philippians and says, look, I know that it's hard for you to believe, but my chains are actually advancing the gospel. I'm sitting here chained up. I got Roman guards all around me. And, and don't feel, but don't feel sorry for me. I've discovered this to be an amazing wide open door as I have a captive audience to talk to Je- about Jesus. And I talk to these guards about Jesus all the time and there's nothing they can do about it but to sit and listen. They're forced to be with me. And when the guards change, I got new people to talk to. And as the church here sees how God is using my chains to reach into these people's lives, they're getting stronger and gaining, gaining more courage in their walk with Jesus. And what looks like difficulty, God is using for good. And that's God's MO through history. Doors of opportunity, doors of ministry to which God leads us will often take us to hard places because that's where the ministry needs to take place. What what ministry needs to take place where everything's perfect, where everything is, is lined up? 
What possibly needs to happen in those places? It's the places that are hard. It's the places where there is great need that the doors of opportunity for ministry open up for us. Because that's where we're needed. That's where God needs us to be so that we can help people who are wrestling and struggling. You know, sometimes we think, boy, you know, I want to work with people who will treat me the way I want to be treated, who will see God the way I see him. And then we get frustrated because God leads us to people who treat us the way we don't want to be treated and who see God in completely opposite the ways, ways of which we see him. But those are the very people, those are the very circumstances where our witness is needed the most. And God opens these doors into places where we see he can do great miracles because it's the places where great miracles are needed. And I think one of the reasons God allows us to walk through doors of opportunity that lead to struggle is so that people can watch how we respond to it. And they look at us and think, man, I've been giving them a hard time and they've responded positively to it. Or they've faced some terrible things and and they still trust in God despite it. I want to know more about them. I want to know more about why they do that. I want to hear something about Jesus. Living a good life when everything is easy doesn't impress anyone. But living a life for Christ when it's hard and it's difficult can grab people's attention and give us an opportunity to tell them, show them about who Christ really is. I mean, who does Jesus hang out with? Where does he spend his time? If Jesus had come, he could have spent his time with the religious leaders and he could have done what they wanted him to do. He could have made nice with all of them and life would have been easy and prosperous. Probably never would have been a cross. But that's not why Jesus came. Jesus came to step into the places where nobody else wanted to step. Walking through the door where no one else wanted to to walk through. So where do we find him? Spending time with people that nobody else wants to spend time with what the scriptures call tax collectors and sinners. Nice way to describe gamblers, thieves, prostitutes, murderers, and all the other parts of society that people try to avoid. And where is Jesus? Right in the middle of them. And it's some of these very people who become the foundation of the kingdom. That's the door Jesus walks through. And most of the time, the ministry to which we are called and the doors that God opens for effective ministry are not great world-changing moments. They are small moments. Everyday moments. Being a presence for Christ in a world that needs Christ being a presence for people who need to know Christ with them. Being people who love and sharing love with people who need love. We want to think, okay, God, I'll I'll walk through that door of difficulty, but I better see some big results from this. 
If I'm going to give up myself, if I'm going to suffer, if I'm going to struggle, if I'm going to face opposition, I better see some pretty big uh, feedback from it. And most of the time, we don't get that. Most of the time, we don't even, we, we might not even see what God is doing. But that's not our responsibility. We're not responsible for the, for the results. We're just responsible to be obedient and to walk through the door. And so it might be, the door of opportunity for ministry might be a willingness to befriend someone that others have rejected. It might be a willingness to, to reach out to people who society says are worthless. It might be serving people that are not easy to serve. And it might mean doing it. It will often mean doing it in a way that no one else even knows we're doing it. Often walking through the door, the results of that will look like failure, not success. But that's not our responsibility. We're just called to, be, to obediently walk through the door. I don't know if you noticed this or not, but in the bulletin there's an announcement about over the next two Sundays needing some people to help with children's church and Sunday school. Now I know many of you are college students, so you won't be here, which is part of the reason why we need help on those Sundays. But some of you will. And we, we need help on those days when people are gone who regularly do those ministries. And as I was pondering that this week and thinking about the sermon, the thought came to my mind, if we, were, if we were at a mindset, a willingness to walk through open doors and to see them the way God does, the problem wouldn't be pulling teeth to get people to help. The problem would be turning away so many people who want to help. Because we, we would read something like that in the bulletin and immediately say, well, there's a door of opportunity. I, I need to go do that. And yes, there's a balance. We talked about Sabbath last week. And, and there's, a, there's a balance. But most of the time, for most of us, we're not overexerting ourselves in, in helping people in need. And I think giving ourselves to people who can't readily give back to us is one of the most profound ways in which we serve the kingdom. And so we, we spend time with two-year-olds, five-year-olds, second graders, junior high, high school, maybe people at the nursing home. We give ourselves to people who, who maybe can't give anything back to us. But the door of opportunity is available. Sometimes we think about doors of opportunity for ministry as, well, I'm not sure, as just fitting our gifts. If, if my gifts, if, that's, if those were my gifts, I'd walk through that door in a minute. Well, if God puts a door of opportunity in front of you, I don't think gifts have anything to do with it. It's willingness. You may say, I don't know the first thing about teaching a three-year-old, but you can love them. 
you can help. You say, junior high, that's not my thing. But you can love them. And you can support the people for whom it is their thing. It really isn't about gifts nearly as much as it is about willingness. The needs are before us. People are in our lives. One of the places I think where we we see doors of opportunity most clearly is, is in our homes. Our family members. That we serve one another instead of trying to figure out what we can get from each other. In, in apartments and dorms and classrooms. We, we care for each other. We, we see someone in need and instead of walking the other way, we step over and find out what's going on. And we become the presence of Christ. In that person's life at that moment. Sometimes we wonder how do we know. If the door is open or not. How do you discern that? I think the question is, is intriguing to me. Because the question, very question itself. Which quite frankly I've asked that question of myself often. But I think the very question tells me that. We probably are we probably have a, a, a skewed perspective about open doors. I think maybe our, our perspective of God's open doors are more like let's make a deal. You know the old game show? Anybody, how many of you have seen Let's Make a Deal? Okay, only a few of you. Well, as you see from the picture, people come to this show, and I this show was on when I was a, a child, fifteen years ago. Um and <laughs> But, and it's still on. It's still on. Um, I didn't know that. I found out this week. It's on 10 o'clock, weekday morning, right before the price is right. Um, but, but when, you know, every, people come to the show dressed in these crazy costumes, all kinds of things, because they're trying to get the attention of the host, which in my day was Monty Hall. And they're, they're trying to dress in such crazy outfits that he will choose them. And if you get chosen... You, you trade something you have or something he gives you. He'll say, here, okay, I'll give you $100. Now, what do you want to do with $100? You can trade it. You can keep it or you can trade it. You can make a deal for the box standing, that Jay's standing by here or the curtain where Carol Merrill is standing. What do you want to do? And people wrestle with this decision. What do I do? And the crowd's screaming and yelling what they should do. And they, and they make the deal. I'll take, I'll take the curtain. And they take the curtain and it might be a new car. Or it might be a donkey eating some hay. Or a rusted old car. You never know if they're going to trade up or trade down. And, 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 and they get to the end of the game. And two of the contestants who have played the game are given the opportunity. And they look at the, there are three doors down front. And the famous question is, do you want door number one? You want but what's behind door number one? Or what's behind door number two? Or what's behind door number three? And they agonize over which decision to make and what door to pick. And the crowd is screaming and yelling and their family screaming and yelling, you know, what to do. And they pick a door. And they're praying, hoping. And you can just see it in their eyes. Oh, I hope I pick the right door. I hope I pick the door that gets me what I want. And I think... So often, that's how we view God's doors. 
I hope I pick the right door. I hope I do what God wants me to do. I, I hope that, that I get what I'm supposed to get. As though God is trying to hide from us opportunities for ministry. As though we could make a mistake being his presence in people's lives and the world. And all the while, as we're on our knees praying for wisdom, we're standing right in front of this wide open door. And we're not looking at it. Or maybe we are looking at it, we just don't want to see it. The door's wide open. But we only see it if we want to see it. The only way to develop eyes to see the door is to want to see the door. And if we want to see the door, we will then practice seeing doors. We will read the scriptures asking God to reveal to us about doors he may be opening. We pray asking God to help us see doors he may be opening. And we look at the world and we look at people in our lives and we look at circumstances and situations and ministries not thinking, how can I avoid that? But how could I possibly be a part of that? And if for some reason... We think it's an open door and God doesn't want us walking through the door, then it's his responsibility to close it. But I've come to the conclusion that if God puts something in front of us, we just have to be willing to walk through the door that he has opened. Throughout his life, John Wesley, well, he was raised, John Wesley was raised a proper Anglican. And by that he meant everything was done in a proper way, in the right time, at the right time, in the right place, with the right people. A part of that was that the, he, he had this mindset that the work of God could only be done in the church, in the church building. And he said for a long time in his life, he, he, he believed that that was the only way God could work. And he said that uh, it was almost to the point that if someone said they, they were saved and come into the kingdom outside of the church, he said, I, was, I almost thought that that actually was a sin. That you just couldn't really find God outside the walls of the church. And then George Whitfield, his friend, began to work at him. And he began to talk to him about going outside the walls of the church and preaching the gospel out in the fields of all things. And out where the people were, to the miners before they walked into, into the, the, the mines in the morning. And to get out in the street corners and in the city squares and Wesley resisted that with all of his might because that's not what proper Christians do. And then one day he sensed that that really was a door God was opening. And he said, he wrote in his journal, I very reluctantly decided to do something very vile. 
And I went outside the doors of the church. And I got up on a little hill in a field. And I began to preach. And 3,000 people showed up to listen. And from that moment on, a great deal of Wesley's preaching took place in fields, in entrances to mines, in city squares, in street corners. And Wesley's choice to do that, walking through that door, meant that he was going to face a lot more opposition. Because there were a lot of people in England who felt the way he did. You don't do that kind of thing. And he was many, many stories of him out preaching and people in the crowd throwing rotten vegetables at him and rocks and, and, and beating him and dragging him by his hair and all kinds of stories because he made the choice to walk through that door that God had opened before him. And it presented so many more hardships. But scholars will also tell us that there are a few dynamics Elements of Wesley's thinking that, that made the Methodist movement what it was. And one of those elements was his willingness to step through that door and begin preaching outside the walls of the church. Thousands and thousands of people came to know Christ because they heard the gospel in places they would never have heard it before. I don't know that God may be calling you to something quite that big. Maybe so. But it really doesn't matter. The point is, he's put a door before all of us, an opportunity for ministry. What's keeping us from walking through it? Is it, does it feel too difficult too painful? Is it too demanding? Does it seem too dull? Too menial? The door is open. Every one of us. Will we trust God enough to step through it? In this moment of silence, Let us hear God speaking and respond to him. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the, the doors of effective ministry that you have placed before us. Forgive us for our hesitancy. Fill us with courage that we might walk through them in whatever you have called us to do, to be, to experience. Give us courage to trust you the grace of Christ. Amen.
Please stand and join us as we sing. Church, arise and put your armor on. Hear the call of Christ our captain. For now the weak can say that they are strong in the strength that God has given. With your shield of faith and belt of truth, we stand against the army bold whose battle cries love reaching out to those in darkness our call to war to love the captive soul but to rage against the captive and with the sword that makes the wounded whole we will fight Receive the benediction. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. Amen.